the the mission was to solve a problem we want to solve this problem this is a view of the world we think what the market needs then we started getting in customers then you start getting in paying customers etc and you know the scaling experience is transcended over a period of time uh, from going from getting a first customer to let's say getting a first million in arr to in the next 5 and 10 and so on and so forth so it's a scalable journey what you needed to do before is different from what we need to do now is different from what we needed to do a year back i would say my name is sarwat misra i'm the co-founder and ceo at contractport ai this is code story the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host Noah Lapart, and today House Varth Misra is driving digital transformation into the contract life cycle. All this and more on Code Story. Savarth Misra didn't start out in tech. In fact, he was a lawyer working as a corporate commercial lawyer in Asia and the UK. During this time, he noticed how little tech adoption was being done in the law profession and how much opportunity was available for solutions to make an impact. He's married with two girls who in his words keep him out of mischief. One of his daughters is totally extroverted and coming from two introverted parents, he and his wife are still trying to figure out where she got it from. In his prior profession as a lawyer, Savarth thoroughly understood how contracts were done. He also noticed how little tech adoption was present, which directly impacted the effectiveness of contract management in general. He figured it was only a matter of time before this industry, his industry, was disrupted by tech. This is the creation story of Contract Pod AI. ContractPod is a legal technology platform. We are a SaaS business uh, selling into the enterprise space, uh, selling into the persona of legal departments. Basically, the mission here is when legal is trying to solve an enterprise problem. So we always try to lead lead with what we call contract lifecycle management, which is effectively how do you manage contracts in an enterprise or a company. So everything from how do you draft contracts how do you review contracts how do you how do you negotiate contracts the full end to end cycle of contract management from a technology perspective is what we support so it's a saas software it's in the enterprise place um like i said sort of going back how did we get started my background is in the law so i was a corporate commercial lawyer so i suppose i wrote contracts drafted contracts reviewed contracts so kind of understood how contracts are done but also looked at how less technology traction there was within the profession to adopt technology which could support faster more effective contract management and i think that's where i saw the lord be me and my co-founder who's also a lawyer by background he was a partner in a very large law firm for years and years and years we kind of got together thinking around hey this is there's a market gap here uh the question which we was very clear in our mind was that this is this was a market which was very much ripe for digital transformation the question always was not whether it will happen it was when so it was not a if question it was a when question uh 
I think one of the big bets we took early on therefore was that the way contract management is managed within enterprise is really not fit for purpose b there's too much fat in the process and this is going to be ripe for a technology from a technology transformation perspective as an industry and you know that's how we thought we'll scratch our heads change profession and build a product out So tell me about the MVP. So that first product you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? I think when we kind of decided we were going to do this, uh, one of the smarter things that Spoosman did was that what was very clear to us is and I had like a lot of entrepreneurial friends and there's you know entrepreneurs always struggle with do you get a product when it's perfect do you get an mvp when do you get a mvp what does that look like i think we we because also we were very bootstrapped we did this in a bootstrap manner and that's bootstrap with a capital b and sort of bold <laughs> from that perspective uh we we put a design together and we kind of gave ourselves 6 months to build the mvp uh one of the things i suppose in going back which we did smarter was to say that hey we're going to test this mvp out we will provide the basic features you need in in our view to run a contract management software within an enterprise uh this was kind of going back to around 2014 uh and the way the market looked at that stage was that majority of the enterprise rollouts in the C- contract management space were sort of the old fashioned way of buying technology you do a one time capex and then you do a ongoing sort of maintenance plan uh this was also the stage where you know even in this space cloud computing and sort of saas had become quite a trendy modern concept so i think what we were very clear on when we were building this was that we want to build a saas model out we will put it on the cloud uh we will try as much as possible to build a configurable system versus what was out there in the market at that stage in many ways were systems which needed larger implementations a lot of customizations and you know they were code based individually for each enterprise and you know i think we went with the philosophy of that you know scalability is scarce assets as more scalability uh and therefore and in a way in many ways you discipline yourself in building a product which you think can kind of uh, sort of meet that market demand so we gave ourselves 6 months and actually we kind of because it would bootstrap we ran on time as well uh from that perspective we hired a bunch of developers out of mumbai and in india and uh, you know we got it together and uh, one of the again one of the things we we had to do when you bootstrap was we had to get to market so you know and we what we thought was if we got to fail we fail fast here right uh, and i think uh, that's one of the key things we did we actually did get it to market uh, pretty soon in 6 months time so we before the end of 2014 we got it to market launched an event in uh, actually in amsterdam uh, with uh, where which had a sort of following up a lot of general councils meeting there so that's how we got started You you touched on a couple of things I'm going to ask about in your MVP explanation, but I want to open it open it up a little bit for decisions and trade-offs, right? Tell me about the decisions and trade-offs, dig into them about you had to make with the MVP in that short amount of time and, and you know, a, a limited amount of resources as a as a bootstrap team and how you coped with those decisions. One of the things we looked at were also when we were building something like contract management there's a bunch of things you need to have in terms of a feature set 
one of those things are things like integration or sort of electronic signatures, which was also, this was a period where folks like DocuSign uh, were coming up, right? They were like doing well, but they were still a scale-up. They were still private at that stage, as a, certainly. And it was also the market has just started adopting electronic signatures. So the decision-making was that, in our view, was very clear when we're building an MVP, where are we going to add value and where are things which are going to be technologies we will repurpose? Uh, so when we think to, thought about things like electronic signatures, the choice was, do you build that up or do you use a best-in-class software to integrate with it? So those were kind of decisions we took pretty early on. Again, we said, hey, we, if we, we've got to own, we've got to think about design innovation, which is about how do we build a utility kit which is going to solve a problem of a legal department on an enterprise. So we want to offer them a solution which has the best-in-class technologies wrapped around it together. Some we're going to build, some we're going to repurpose. So when we think about a classic example, that would be electronic signatures. We were like, well, actually, we don't want to be an e-signature shop. We understand how critical that is to contract management. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually integrate with that out of the box to all our customers versus kind of try to build that up. Um, things similarly around search capabilities around Azure. So we, we also, because we were on cloud, one of the decisions we took early on was we're going to go, we're going to be a Microsoft shop. So everything we built is on base is on Microsoft technology. Uh, and again, sort of thinking around that sort of strategy was that if you had search capabilities, do you build a search engine from scratch or do you use stuff like Azure, which already had phenomenal cognitive searchability? So again, that was a decision which we took. And those were the kind of compromises we took. Also, like you rightly said, you can't build everything else when you're building MVP. Uh, so it's all about what, in my view, step one decision making is what do you kind of build versus what do you repurpose? Step two is when you build, where are you building it from a roadmap perspective? And that goes back to us thinking around, here's what you really need that MVP to look like if you're authoring documents. Here's what a roadmap may look like if that was successful, I suppose. Perfect segue. You mentioned the word roadmap. I'm curious how you progressed the product from there and how you matured it. And, and in that, I, I, I'm curious how you built your roadmap and, and how you went about deciding, okay, now this is the next most important thing to build. In my view, when you build products and when you build roadmaps, there are sort of two things which are 101. Number one is, and especially when you think about roadmap and product from an innovation perspective, I always believe that the big bang innovation comes from entrepreneurs sort of slash founding teams who go like, here's the status quo. We think that world needs to change. And here's a big bang, which is, which is things which probably even a customer doesn't see, right? Because you're bringing things to market which they've not seen before. You're changing the rules of the game in many ways. Uh, so I think the way we thought about contract management as an example was, there were a lot of modular solutions uh, in the market. Like there were things folks did, but they did point solutions around, let's say authoring or reviewing contracts or reporting or analytics. Uh, we thought what the market needed was a significant majority of the market needed was an end-to-end -end solution, which was scalable, SaaS-based, et cetera. So our view of the world was a bit different. Our view of the world also was we built with the persona of a legal department in mind and this goes back going back now kind of eight years at that time majority of the buyers of contract management used to be either sales folks or folks in procurement in an enterprise they weren't really lawyers lawyers were maybe 
influencers in the process they were nowhere decision makers so really when we build we designed this was a software designed by lawyers in many ways for lawyers in mind so i think there was focus on that and of sort of an obsession to solve that problem uh and this was a stage where let's be honest not my absolutely next to no one was doing it because when i spoke to a lot of smart people they said well you're building it for lawyers but remember these guys don't have budgets to buy technology and they most certainly don't have any budget to buy contract management system which is also too factually true but the big bet we took at that stage was to say actually that's a macro trend we believe is going to change because you know folks who write contracts build workflows you know really design that full process and actual contracts having no say in the technology they buy made no sense and i thought that was a trend which will change and kind of 8 years forward that's massively changed so that was a big bet so the big bang around building or designing with a persona in mind building in an end to end solution that's the kind of stuff from a product perspective we did and continue to pivot on so the big bang innovation i think always from a roadmap perspective is a point of the view from an entrepreneur or a founding team to say hey here's what the world needs to look like in this space but then also is that i mean what's critical then is the second bit of that is customers right as we started getting in customers and feedback those were the sort of what i would say incremental changes or incremental roadmap changes which we make when we learn and experience and people go like well actually this needs to change and this is what we think it should look like so you're going to learn and you're going to change and iterate but my view of the roadmap always is to my team is there's going to be a big bang big bang and there's going to be a incremental change and i think most successful companies need to do both if they're to be ahead of the game Well, well, then let's switch to team. So, how did you go about building your team, and and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? I mean, I was very blessed, and still am blessed, I suppose, that the first bunch of folks we kind of bought into the business, you know, eight years looking forward, are still with us. I think that that's that's a blessing. Uh, that means we kind of it was a bunch of folks who had a view of the world. which kind of matched and they kind of bought that together so this is all this has been a team effort from that perspective um what what i typically have looked is looking at our own culture and thinking what, the folks who have always done well here and certainly what i look at from an executive perspective are three fundamental things uh which is very hard to find firstly and this is about trial and error as well in many times and we've all got it wrong as well so that's being kind of candid and honest but the three things fundamental which i think is if to ties into contract what's culture are low ego coachability and high level of competence so that's a very difficult deadly combination to bring in uh, but i just think when you get that right you really get it right that is a lethal combination it does sometimes feel like you're searching for unicorns but i but i do do get those qualities then you know i mean because i mean if you think about culture over generally if you think about how the markets have changed and personas have changed how workforces have changed as well right i mean things executives the way they operated in the 90s uh, i mean in the early 2000s i don't think that works anymore to be honest right uh, i think we all have to be very cognizant about the new modern workforce which is very much much more self aware there i say uh, than certainly we certainly i was when i was starting off right that time the culture was you just get things done uh, it is what it is right i think now people are more sort of self aware and i mean if you think about the covid stuff and stuff like that i think there's a there is much more self awareness in a good way 
in my view so you know so you need teams who are able to pivot and transcend into it so when you bring in folks who are coachable slash flexible they are they easily pivotable right uh, you know because the conventional model always has been that you know the right people at the right stage of a business i think that still holds true entrepreneurs uh, it's easier for them to pivot because let's be honest what choice do we have we, if we want if we are in a mission you got to pivot the pivot faster stakes are higher therefore the ability to change is much faster uh, workforces in general otherwise are like well we were doing things this way 2 years back why do we need to change uh, and i think when you get that combination of folks who have understand change or want to excel in that and therefore are coachable enough to do it that's where you get it right and like i said it's very hard to find but that's been one of the secret recipes over a period of time we've been able to find the right folks let's talk about scalability so did you build this to scale efficiently from day 1 or have you been fighting this as you've grown and gained traction the the mission was to solve a problem uh, as we started scaling so it was all about we want to solve this problem this is a view of the world we think what the market needs then we started getting in customers then you start getting in paying customers etc and you know the scaling experience is transcended over a period of time uh, from going from getting a first customer to let's say getting a first million in arr to you know next five and your 10 and so on and so forth so it's a scalable journey what you needed to do before is different from what we need to do now is different from what we need to do a year back i would say um, i always have started put ourselves set goals for years and look at from that journey onwards there's obviously an end mission but the mission is to change the needle in the market it's not very much driven on a number or stuff like that it's about how do you change how do you change the rules of the game there um, but more and more from a product perspective and team perspective scalability comes over time you kind of as you start getting investment in things like that you learn a lot uh, you know you fail i always say i'm a some of my failures in many ways but you got to fail i mean if you're not failing then you're missing something in my view uh, so i think that comes with more experience and as the maturity model of your own business changes scalability comes naturally or that the that's front and center of everything you do it's probably not what you need in day one as well because you know there's a lot of stuff around frameworks around how to operate businesses i think one of the things we were a bit i i would still think in hindsight looking backwards the fact that we probably bootstrapped the business for i would say relatively longer time than what's usual in the enterprise saas place may not have been a bad move because we pivoted our business model so many times if we had invested in like g get it together so i think from that perspective i think we were kind of lucky and it was the right thing to do so as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built what are you most proud of the team i think hands down i mean that's that's an easy one comes very naturally to me when i look at uh you know a bunch of folks who have really earned their stripes and have been together believed in a mission which let's be honest when i look back i was like okay that would be a hard one to believe in because you know you have an ambition but you know it's they've left the comfy careers to really sign up certainly the early bit of the team which is still there really proud of them because it's true one person can't build a scale up business uh and i think it's it's just really proud of the guys who've been able to kind of work believe in it work with resilience with relentlessness and really being mission driven i think so let's flip the script a little bit 
Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. God, that's a, I could write a book on that one, so let me just <laughs> <laughs> uh, figure those ones out. I mean, this is probably, whether it's a mistake or not, I don't know, but I think the one decision one could kind of argue could have been done probably in two ways was, like I said, I think we probably remained bootstrapped for, I would say, 12 to 24 months longer than what would be usual. What then happened was that you go from being a bootstrap business, which was hustling and doing really well, to thinking about scaling up. And that those are two very different things. So the operational capability, when you move, when you pivot that, and this is going back probably 2018, 2019, that's a, then that becomes a larger gap. Because when you're bootstrapped, you're looking at every dollar going out and you know not really focusing around as much as you ought to, I suppose, around the operation capability. Sometimes you need to sort of also build in when you're scaling and you're actually doing well and your product is doing selling slash doing well. Um, so maybe, I mean, if hindsight view, I suppose, could have been that maybe we should have raised a bit earlier than we did. Uh, and maybe what that six months of pain around building those operational capabilities and stretching teams out of more than they ought to have been stretched could have been differently, could have done been done differently. Well, what does the future look like for you know, Contract Pod, the product and for your team? Yeah, the future is bright. No, that's, <laughs> I, I think for us, again, going back, I think we're very clear and very focused around our mission as a product and as a team. We want to lead as a one legal platform, which is a consolidation of applications, which a legal department needs, leading from contract lifecycle management, from but being able to also solve other enterprise problems for legal. Uh, we, that's our kind of, in many ways, a differentiator from where the market in general is. Uh, we, we we believe that's what we want to do for the next three years. Uh, and we really, I think the team kind of buys into that. And I, I'm also a firm believer around from a team perspective around getting people at the ground level and seeing them accelerate their careers within this business because we have a long way to go, uh, especially if you're mission-driven or changing, or moving the needle in the market. And I think I want to make sure the team who come in at the ground level have a really good career path here and excited about that as well for are excited about making their career path here and making this their home for the next several years. Well, Savars, let's switch to you. Who, who influences the way that you work? You name a CEO, a CTO, an architect, really, really any person that you look up to and why. I mean, I, one of the talents I never had was music. So, I mean, I can't sing for saving my life I think but I, I was always uh, I've always been a fan of the Beatles I suppose going back and maybe it's down to my folks who kind of when I was when kids should be doing nursery rhymes or I was sort of singing I suppose Beatles songs my mom was a big fan sort of she grew up in the 60s I suppose was there but I think just what fascinates me around collaboration and partnership around just out of the market space I mean that there's, there's influence on the technology side but in general has been looking at their career and what as a collaborative for folks they did and just the talent of Lennon-McCartney kind of songwriting duo with had conflicts we all know about that there's a great series I think I recently saw a long one uh, let, uh, let It Be I suppose it was on uh, it was uh, oh, Get Back sorry not Let It Be Get Back on Apple and it was a very phenomenal 
just seeing them work together in 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 the middle of conflict they were all sort of conflicted but gosh the kind of stuff they did together i mean that music is still so current and the songwriting is phenomenal and one of the things i was talking to my team about a couple of weeks back was about that that you know they ended up i mean john lennon and paul mccartney ended up having great careers broadly good careers on their own as singulars uh, artists as well but gosh that combination of bringing people together and what kind of they did together has never been replaced i think so that's kind of influencing on what i always tell the guys as well that what we can do and achieve collectively is different from us doing it one by one that's my view so i think that's always been a big influence and so is the songwriting in many ways on a more philosophical view uh, technology side i think i've been mean, sort of growing up saying probably steve jobs i would say not for anything else but i think one of the great marketeers uh, of his generation i think we talk about innovation and we talk about the stuff he did from design innovation and i'm probably a bit more obsessed with design innovation in any ways possible so i think there's a bit of a resonation not that i'm saying anything like steve jobs from any stretch of imagination but i think certainly something around design innovation or thinking about that from changing the world from a design innovation perspective is there but also one of the great marketeers right if you go back to uh, the super bowl and stuff which nobody had done before or you know people are hedged there but that'll be a complete disaster just as a marketeer i think in the last 100 years probably very very influential Well, we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently or where would you consider taking a different approach? And, you know, that can be with Contract Pod or anywhere. I think I mean in many ways that I mean, I think the dots connected in my PI I find myself to be so far incredibly lucky. Uh talent is questionable, <laughs> but certainly incredibly lucky how the dots tied up. So I think I feel blessed and incredibly lucky. I don't think I would do this any different differently I think it just something that thrust over me and which was just kind of accidental perhaps uh, when I think about it now I think gosh what was I thinking lawyer doing reasonably okay picking up technology not knowing how to code a single word and then at a time which you know it was a good job one had as well but taking those risks you know having fear and I mean failure but one of the things which sort of coming out of it certainly has been that one of the things probably was resilience with state but i would not change a thing do it differently because even the failures i think you need to fail in my view to succeed uh, but i suppose fail but fail fast uh, as well so don't think i would do anything differently to be honest well we'll ask questions about so you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Don't fear failure. Enough said, I suppose. I mean, do not fear failure because if you fear failure, don't be an entrepreneur. I think. I mean, and you know, there's a lot of romanticism about being an entrepreneur. I mean, there are moments when you, any, you've been one as well, and you know, you are one, I suppose. And one of the things is that. in the end of the day you're staring yourself in the mirror every night right for all the good and the bad as well it's a lonely place it can be a lonely place let's be honest uh you know the buck stops at you it's a lonely place but the only thing i would say is when you're going out especially if you're young don't fear failure i think that's fantastic advice well savar thank you for being on the show today thank you for telling the creation story of contract pod ai thanks a lot appreciate it no And this concludes another chapter 
of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.